Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Ah, yes. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. This is important. It really is important that we understand that everybody travels a different path to success. That is because your brand is different. The challenges you face in your life are different. So stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. I recommend that. It's all right to be motivated by their success because their stories can offer direction. But remember this, is your planning and your committed effort is going to enable you to achieve your success. My next guest, longtime friend, Ariva Martin. We've traveled the streets of New York City together. Ariva is an award-winning civil rights attorney, legal commentator, talk show host, philanthropist, best-selling author, and CEO of Butterfly Health. Her talk show, The Special Report with Ariva Martin, a tri-weekly digital talk show airing Mondays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which is noon East Coast time on Facebook. The special report covers race, culture, economy, and politics, and how they impact the daily lives of everyday people, which includes me. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, my friend, Ariba Martin. Hello, Rashad. Long time no see. I'm so glad to see you, and to see you right before the holidays is like super, super special for me. Well, I tell you, you know, this year has thrown me for a tizzy. It was great seeing you. Um, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a plan in place, Ariba, and all of a sudden, uh, March hit, and my plan went sideways, and I was scared. I, I was scared in the sense that I didn't know what what the next three months would look like. Uh, I had employees I had to maintain on payroll. I didn't see any income coming. The entire country said, hey, we're not doing any live events for the second quarter. Advertisers pulled all of their advertisements from any any scheduled event that I was part of. And I was just sitting there. I was I went to Home Depot. Uh, my first out out was going to Home Depot, you know, and I had my uh, I had my uh, by my Perel, with what little bottle I had left, because you know the, all the shelves were clear. <laughs> yes, everything was gone. Absolutely. And then I had my rubber gloves, and I had, uh, and I, I had a ski mask that I pulled up because I didn't have a mask at the time. At the time, you know, you didn't know what, well, how to get a mask. And so when I came out the store, I didn't know. Did I put the Perel on? Did I take my gloves off? Was the stuff I brought out of the store contaminated? I didn't know what to do, Ariva. I was just, uh, that was the world that I lived in. And I'm sure a lot of people experienced that same uncertainty. How was it in California? Still a lockdown city over there in California, right? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting, Rashad. I, I have a lot of friends who are uh, elected officials. So I was getting this inside information about mm-hmm. what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. I was telling friends, you know, get your business together. Uh, you know, go to your offices, clean it out, because I knew probably about a week in advance in March uh, that the lockdown, they called it shelter in place, was coming. Mm-hmm. And I was getting a lot of resistance from people. They're like, no, that's not going to happen. How <laughs> right. can they do that? Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, you know, I, I run my law firm here in Los Angeles. We had gone paperless the year before. So mm-hmm. taking our office virtually and, and sending everyone home was really easy for us. Our nonprofit mm-hmm. also uh, mm-hmm. made an easy transition. But so many people uh suffered back mm. then and continue to suffer because they weren't able to just transport their whole businesses and start operating them from home. So it was scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I found myself in a position of, of becoming that voice, that trusted voice, trying mm-hmm. to talk to people 
you know, sharing with them the inside information I had and, and trying to walk them through uh, the process. But it's been it's been overwhelming, uh, to be honest with you. Like I said, for me personally, my my business hasn't suffered. Right. Uh, none of the companies I run have suffered. But I've watched so many people around me lose their jobs, lose their yeah. businesses. Uh, like you said, had to lay off massive numbers of employees, lose mm. contracts. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's been kind of a mixed bag. I talked to some people; they're doing great, right. like mm-hmm. gangbusters, mm-hmm. and then other people who are literally just holding on by a thread. And I think that's kind of the reality across this country. Now, that's from a uh, business very, standpoint, very challenging. Very challenging. Now, from a personal standpoint, I gave you my little COVID nineteen, trying to adapt to the new norm back then, and I'm a lot more comfortable now. I'd actually have flown on the airplane one time and masked down. And I sat in that chair and I scrubbed it down with my little parel. I'm telling you, you, you swear I was a maid, I was doing maid service on my seat. Let's put it that right, way. COVID 19 right. maid service. How was it for you personally? You talked about the business side. Okay. How was it personally? Good thing. So, I, personally, I was going, uh, let's see, this is March. So, I had started this really intense workout plan. I had, you know, lots of plans <laughs> for the year in terms of my career. One of my personal goals, I, you know, was to get in the best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was there. And then when this all hit uh, I says well you know it's just gonna be gonna be locked down for a couple of weeks so I don't have to worry about continuing this workout I don't have to worry about continuing this really healthy eating I I think and I didn't really even realize that I slid into kind of a state of depression after it went mm-hmm. on for more than two or three mm-hmm. or four weeks I gained mm-hmm. probably that COVID 15 pounds that a lot of people gain. I 10 I found myself binging mm-hmm. I, I'm not a big TV person I've watched uh, Queen of the South, you know, binge <laughs> through it on Netflix, Ozark, Tiger King. <laughs> like, one night, and this is when I knew I was at an all-time low. Mm-hmm. I was up five in the morning, binging mm-hmm. on Ozark. My mm-hmm. dinner that night had been a bag of potato chips and several glasses of wine. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, something then hit me that, okay, this is not temporary. This is going to be here for a while and you can't you know, drink your way through it with wine. You can't eat potato chips for dinner. You can't watch, you know, every, you know, series on Netflix. You've got to figure out a way to get back to Mm -hmm. something that looks normal for you. So (laughs) I dropped the 15 pounds. I Mm -hmm. stopped eating the potato chips. Mm -hmm. I haven't had a drink in like five months, not Mm -hmm. because it's a, I just, I don't know. I'm just trying to just be super healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Got back to some projects, started, you know, my uh, weekly, tri-weekly show on Facebook. I'm working on a new book project. Uh, Did a bunch of auditions for some new uh, other, you know, TV Mm -hmm. broadcast projects and just Mm -hmm. have been trying to say, how do you live with COVID and it not control you, but you take control of your life. And I feel like I'm kind of there. I won't say I'm 100% there, but I'm feeling better. But I was, I was, I think I was upset because Mm -hmm. I was prepared for the two or three weeks, which they told us originally the lockdown Mm -hmm. was going to be. And then as it went from March to April to May, by then I was like, okay, this is some BS. I'm like really fatigued by Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just kind of rolling through the motions. I I had a low point when I went to visit a friend in some pajama pants. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) He said, Ariva, are those pajamas? I said, yeah, what's wrong with pajamas? (laughs) So, you know, when you're walking out the house, getting in the car, driving your pajamas, Pajamas. Maybe it's time to like you know pat yourself on the shoulder and say, "Get it together, girlfriend." So Especially I had to you, be one you of know, those get it together girlfriends. Uh, all those fantastic poses and images we see on your Instagram account. Now here's the thought uh, process when you talk about uh, just uh, you know myself personally. I gained ten pounds. Okay, and I went from like 
eating one and a half meals a day. I was eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. My wife was saying, you want more? more? Yes, I want breakfast. Yes, I want lunch. Because we were locked down. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'd done so much due diligence of losing like 25 pounds. Suddenly, I was at 200. I went, whoa, 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 whoa. Something is not normal here. You don't need breakfast, but you're eating it. And you're not even going out to be able to to burn it off because I was just at home. Usually, you know, I yeah, get I up at four, I'm out of the house at six. So physically I was moving. I was just getting up and just staying and eating. And so, so that translated into weight gain. So know that you are, you had a lot of individuals out there in America joining you in that weight gain club. Oh, cause we're sitting down. Like you said, our lifestyles, you know me, I'm like super active. Mm-hmm. I'm out. I'm, I'm always doing something. And like I said, I worked out a lot. The gyms were closed. Right. You know, so you needed that discipline to get up and do it outside on your own. Mm-hmm. And I just think psychologically it was so new. Like, like what's going on? And you're watching this, these deaths. You know, you're just watching oh, yeah. the numbers climb. You're watching the deaths. You're talking to friends who are, you know, have the virus. And it was just a lot emotionally, I think, for all of us as Americans. Absolutely. That's why the food was comfort, right? You right. sit there and just eat yourself. Food and Netflix uh, was comfort. It was junk food. So you said Tiger King. I had to relate to you. I was dead Tiger King. I saw it from, I, well, I would tell you something, Reba. I saw it when it came out. I, I was like, let everybody know. I didn't hear about Tiger King when it hit the stands. I was right there viewing it from jump and then it exploded because that was one of the most uh, amazing uh, docu-soap operas I'd ever, real life soap operas I'd ever seen in my life. But But do you think all of us would have been watching Tiger King but for the pandemic? Oh, but you know, it's like, I don't think so, but I think that it still would have jumped out there strong because that was some mess. That was some some highfalutin mess that people are still look, she wound up on Dancing with the Stars. Okay? That's true. (laughs) So that's how that's how he's still in jail. Way into another his, uh, his, gig his, from it. His I, husband, a right. bar friend, a husband that just got picked up on a DUI charge. The other guy who had like the harem, you know, I think he got closed down. And so it's, it just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling. But but you, we lived a life, or you know, our relationship is always tied to your authenticity, and your authenticity is always tied to journalism, your legal background, and the special report. And I, and the reason I make, I really wanted to bring you on the show about that because it's, it's your voice that we need in this in the, in this media and the era of from a standpoint of who you are and what you bring to the table. How did the special report start? And give us some background on, on how people are reacting to it. No, that's a great question. So what happened was that, like I said, I had that inside information that LA was about to have a lockdown mm-hmm. order. So on like the second Friday in March. Uh, right before that order was going into effect that next week. And I said, I'm going to go live on Facebook and just talk to people that I knew, you know, I had a, a bunch of hundred thousand plus followers on Facebook mm-hmm. and big social media platform. And everybody was, you know, f- nervous. We didn't know what was coming. Right. And because I had this inside information, I said, I'm going to go on and, and just let people know this kind of calm their nerves. Like, right. this is OK. Mm-hmm. You know, get ready. It's coming. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you can't go to the grocery store. It doesn't mean you can't go to your doctor's offices and just trying to, you know, cushion the blow, so to speak, <laughs> for people. And the response was so positive that one time. And it, after about an hour, uh, you know, it wasn't enough time. So I says, don't worry, I'll come back on Monday. 
and we'll continue this conversation because people were posting comments and we were going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so I went back that Monday uh, and continued the conversation and people were saying, okay, are you coming back? Right. And it was really just people saying, can we tune in again? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I just said, you know what? Right now for the next, again, two weeks, Mm -hmm. I'll show up every Monday, Wednesday and Friday and I'll tell you Mm -hmm. what I know from my friends that Mm -hmm. work at the county, my friends that work for the city of Los Angeles, you know, my friends that work in federal government. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was going to be two weeks of me just telling people, you know, this inside information that I had gotten Mm -hmm. from all of these, you know, high level elected officials. And that two weeks went to three weeks and that three weeks went to four weeks. And here we are. We just celebrated 100 shows. So we're like on our 106 show uh, because we went from the COVID crisis and that just kind of dovetailed right into what was happening in the upcoming election. Well, 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 nobody went from COVID to George Floyd because right there. There you go. It's the summer. We went from from, there you go. We went from COVID to the summer, the summer (laughs) protests, the global protests that were happening all over the Mm -hmm. world. And so I was reporting on CNN Mm -hmm. and reporting on the special report, talking to, you know, the activists on the street, talking to, uh, you know, law enforcement experts and legal experts. And again, just trying to help people understand what was happening and what i try to do with the special report rashad you know i've worked with Mm -hmm. all of these national experts you know on cnn and different other networks is to go through my contact list and say hey i know you on cnn msnbc but i need you to come over here and talk to real people right and then i pair those national experts up with real people right so you know it's about what are the questions what are the issues that people who don't have access to these folks you know they're not able to pick up the phone and call them Mm -hmm. so it was really trying to bring those two elements together because again people you know they turn on the news they may get a three-second soundbite right you know Mm -hmm. and they're not getting to to post a comment and ask a question or to engage with that expert so the whole premise of the show is giving real people that opportunity to have you know, access to the nation's top experts on these tough issues, whether it's race, you know, like the George Floyd issue, whether it's public health with COVID, uh, whether it was the election and, you know, the election from George <laughs> Floyd, we went right into that. And all of these issues have just kind of merged together. Right. So we find and they ourselves. And they never this, had a defining know, moment of what was going on because it was all done under the President Trump leadership, you know, the COVID, the denial, the, uh, you know, you can inject, uh, you know, poison into your blood system you'll be all right you know you can don't have to wear a mask and then when you got to the george floyd when you got to lead that up into the debate when he told the proud proud boys to stand back and stand down you know what I'm saying? By, yeah you know stand by stand down they, they put that on t-shirts and then you but let's talk about race because i really was uh, you know i have seen your your show and uh the, the articulation and the race i always talk to individuals like that because you in the know you know, from illegal, this is your history, CNN, the, the, the racial makeup of the protest, did that surprise you? Because we know it was a black issue, but it turned yeah. out to be more than a black response. You know, it, it didn't surprise me because we started to see some of that, you know, coalition forming even after, you know, Trayvon Martin's mm-hmm. uh, murder in Florida, after Mike Brown's murder in St. Louis or Ferguson, Missouri. So we had started to see uh, justice allies, as we call them, starting to take a more active role in the protest. I think with George Floyd in the, the summer, you know, that the May, June, July period where the protests were at their biggest, you know, we saw the largest numbers. 
the, the number of non-African-Americans involved, not just locally in you know Los Angeles, not just in Georgia or New York, <laughs> but literally across the globe, uh, probably hit an all-time high. And, and there was polling came, that was out during that period that said the Black Lives Matter for the first time was accepted by like over 70 percent uh, of Americans. It had mm-hmm. never had such high acceptance levels. And I think George Floyd, you know, hit people in in a different way. We've watched, you know, people get shot in the back by police. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've watched such brutality. But there was something about that eight minute, mm-hmm. you know, 46 second video, the smug, you right. know, look on that cop's face, mm-hmm. the, the, the others standing around who, you know, did absolutely nothing. I think that touched people in a different way. Uh, and that's what propelled those huge numbers of, of people that we saw on the street. Who and, I, just, and I think one of the enough. things was they've always had that he resisted, you know, or he was fighting and we had to gain control of that individual. They saw somebody who physically couldn't do anything but what he did. But that was laid out and suffer and be murdered. And I think that was one of the because, like I said, we've seen the Eric Garner. We saw the Michael Browns running and Eric Garner. He was trying to resist. So they put him in a chokehold and he died. They could say, well, who's trying to resist? This was just a man who was yeah. taken out of his vehicle, then pushed up against his tire wheel and in his own car. And then God just sit there with a knee on his neck and adjusted his knee. That was the part that really traumatized me. The adjustment. Which means yeah. that you had a point at that point that you could have relieved the pressure. You decided to put more pressure on it, and so yeah. so you right in the midst of all this, Reva. You know, you know your 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 show that you decided to do for two weeks. Now you are a voice <laughs> on Facebook. You know, sometimes it, it's not you know what you're looking for. It, it's the moment you know right. that finds mm-hmm. you, and I think it was that kind of that moment that found me. Uh, and you know who I spent a lot of time talking to, Rashad, over the last three or four months are white women in suburbs. Yes. yes. You know, because white women in suburbs, we saw them out at the protests. We mm-hmm. saw moms across this country get involved in those protest movements in a way that we hadn't seen them before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we saw those moms, those, a lot of those same moms say enough is enough when it came to this election with Donald Trump. Right. Mm-hmm. Start to organize themselves. I, there were groups outside of Cincinnati, outside of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, in Wisconsin, uh, other battleground states, white suburban women who didn't think of themselves as very political. Right. Uh, but felt compelled mm-hmm. in this election cycle to start organizing amongst themselves and, and to really speak out in a way that they hadn't before. So uh, I really found that interesting getting their perspective. Like, why now? Why in this moment? Uh, when we know that in the 2016 election, they overwhelmingly voted for Donald Trump. And in this election, they ended up being the margin. Right. Uh, you know, they're they're, you know, flipping from Trump to Biden in those key battleground states uh, made a huge difference. Obviously, African-American vote, you know, just incredibly important in this election. Absolutely. But white women in the suburbs, you mm-hmm. know, voted for Joe Biden uh, in, in just enough. Right. A, a voting block to cause him to win in some uh, key critical. Uh, some well, your, your state was states. always hit very hard, uh, Governor Newsom, by Donald Trump. Uh, you know, I just read a message, I believe, that, you know, dining, indoor and outdoor dining is being banned. Okay, you live there. What is the atmosphere? I, and I, I, I'll go back a little bit. I remember when uh, Kobe Bryant died. You know, yeah. fortunately died. I have like fly. forever ago. That was just February yeah. of this year. And I remember I came into LA and you know his name was on all the buses and it was like a, a ghost town emotionally. 
you know, and then then this then this COVID hit and shut the city down. And then, you know, uh, the amusement parks can't even reopen. And I was just there like two. I came in and out real quick uh, for a trip and um, people are getting around, you know, outdoor dining. I think I went to Javier's in uh, Century City. Uh, up there. And, um, you know, they're, they're kind of like outdoors anyway. So they were packed. And now I hear this note that, you know, you cannot eat indoor or outdoor. How does, in your mindset, is that too much, Ariba? Is, is it like, okay, what's going on here? Now, we got to be able to live. What, what is too much, too much? No, here's what happened. I, I think the, the poor leadership from the national level, Rashad, mm-hmm. has, has just, cause people to reach a level of fatigue, mm-hmm. you know, at, at the beginning of this pandemic, rather than Trump coming out, being honest with the people, enacting, uh, uh, coming up with a national strategy and mm-hmm. enacting that national strategy, he hid it from the people. He lied about it. Mm-hmm. They kept moving the goalposts. Uh, he failed to, you know, come up with a national strategy. He politicized something as simple as wearing a mask and socially distancing. And so now people are fatigued. They're fed up with it. Right. You're mm-hmm. right. We're about to go into another lockdown where you can only you can't dine outside. You'll only be able to do takeout and pick up uh, from restaurants. Restaurants are barely holding on. They're holding mm-hmm. on by a thread. The money that was allocated, you know, from the CARES Act uh, in the summer, all that money's gone, gone, basically. So restaurants are, you know, many of them won't survive this Mm -hmm. shutdown. They won't Mm -hmm. come back. The Mm -hmm. restaurant industry is being forever changed. But here is the deal. Because we botched it, we now all have to pay a price. Mm -hmm. And you and I are in a social contract. Mm -hmm. I can't do, you know, I shouldn't do anything that harms you. You shouldn't do anything that harms me. As much as I hate this. Uh, as much as everyone hates it, this is what we have at this moment. Right. We don't have the vaccine. Mm-hmm. We don't have an ability to slow the spread other than to take some kind of public health measures. And the public health experts are saying closing the restaurants, because that's where this public spread happens, is mm-hmm. what we have available to mm-hmm. us. Uh, it stinks. People are upset about it. Mm-hmm. There were protests outside of the mayor's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been protests in the streets. People feel like their rights are being infringed upon. Mm-hmm. But what I try to get people to understand is, look, the government already is in our lives. Mm-hmm. Wear our seatbelt, right? <laughs> right? That's the government. <laughs> Don't go past 65 miles an hour on mm-hmm. the freeway. That's mm-hmm. the government. Mm-hmm. You can't drink until you're 21 in most states. That's the government. Mm-hmm. You can't vote until you're 18. That's the government. So this notion that wearing a mask and socially distancing puts the government in our lives in, in an intrusive way, that's just false. Right. You know, government is already in our lives. And, and when you look at those 250,000 people who've lost their lives, I say this is a small price to pay, although it's difficult. And I want to minimize the pain that people are feeling, either a business owner or someone who has you know, severe isolation and depression. But if we don't do something, are we, will, will, you know, are we willing to as a country to say 500,000 people dead, mm-hmm. 20 million people infected? Mm-hmm. And until Biden and, and Harris get into office and get the scientists back in charge, we're all going to have to make tremendous sacrifices. And I just encourage people to look at it that way. The light is at the end of this tunnel. It's coming. <laughs> yes. It's there. Com- right now it's being blocked by Donald Trump. So if we can get him to slide left or right, we can see that light. I mean, really interesting when you were saying that about, uh, you know, speed limits. And because some people could say, you know, 
it's infringing on my rights because I never would drive past 65. You know, I, I never drive past 55. I drive accordingly in school zones. Why are you why are you why are you forcing me to live like this? And that's very true. What you're saying is that, look, there's 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 a, a right and a wrong in life. You know, and we all put rules in place to protect the masses. Not always saying the individual you can live a right. Like, I'm not going to I don't own a gun. So I'm not more likely I'm not going to shoot anybody in my lifetime. But there are people who do own guns, and you have to have gun laws to stop Thanks. them from just shooting anybody when they feel like it. But you yeah. know, when they, when you think about all the things that you're doing, Ariva, and this special report, and, and and being able to launch, and you're saying congratulations over the 100 episodes that you've taped so far. What is the future of this opportunity that you're doing on Facebook? Well, I, you know, I hope that it continues to grow. We, we've been growing the audience. We've been, mm -hmm. the guests have just been phenomenal. I, I've mm -hmm. been blown away myself uh, by some of, not just the experts, because like I said, I had a lot of contacts with those, but some of the, the real people. Uh, I, I've had the most amazing conversation with Oscar Grant's mother, Wanda mm -hmm. Grant. Mm -hmm. uh, she, you know, her struggle with her son, Oscar, who was killed by, uh, you know, transit police mm -hmm. uh, in Northern California, Mm -hmm. Turned into that big movie, you know, Fruitville Station mm -hmm. with uh, Michael B. Jordan and Octavia That was his breakout Spencer, movie, mm -hmm. as well as uh, Sandra Bland's mm -hmm. sister, mm -hmm. you know, who talked about what that tragedy was like for her family and going through such a public uh, funeral and, and having to grieve your sister in such a public way. Uh, there's a, a guy named Keith Gramble who's been on my show a couple of times. He lost his father and his grandfather on the same day from COVID, and he learned you know, in that short period of time, his mother had COVID and uh, several of his brothers and sisters, including him. So, you know, families like that just ravaged by COVID. Uh, one of the state legislators in Michigan who was in the Michigan State House when those uh, armed militia came and right. threatened, you know, the, the, the state legislators. So just having a chance to sit down and talk to those people and learn about their experiences has just been an amazing way for me <laughs> to manage my own mental health uh, issues during this period. So I just want to keep bringing those stories. I, you know, I just want to keep connecting with real people like that and giving them an opportunity to share their story. Some of the thank you notes I get from guests uh, again, and even my experts, you know, cause the experts go on national television mm -hmm. and local television and they get two minutes to talk. Right. You know, but when they come on a special report, we may do a 15 minute interview where mm -hmm. they really get to explain themselves mm -hmm. uh, and answer questions. And again, talk to real people. And one of the big issues now that I'm so focused on laser focused on is the vaccine. 70% mm -hmm. of the African-Americans say they won't take the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And unless we have, you know, well over 50% of the Americans who take it, it won't be effective. Mm -hmm. And there's been not nearly enough conversations happening in the black community with experts, with influencers like you, with celebrities mm -hmm. about the vaccine. So we just did a show this week. Uh, we've done multiple shows on the vaccine. And that's an area where, you know, I'm dedicated to. Are, you know, helping people understand what the safety issues are, but hopefully helping people feel more comfortable once the data is out, right. once mm -hmm. the research has been, you know, uh, vetted <laughs> upwards and backwards and leftwards and right from people we trust, mm -hmm. you know, people we trust, uh, getting people to understand how important it's going to be. If we 
ever want to get back to anything that looks like normal. And mm-hmm. I don't even know what the new normal will look like. Right. But if we want to get, you know, back to restaurants, back to movie theaters, you back know, decimated, movie theaters decimated, <laughs> we're going to have to, you know, increase the number of people in this country who are willing to get vaccinated and black people in particular. Cool. Let's talk about butterfly health. You know, um, next cube, uh, Marlon Evans, I interviewed him on the show. So when I saw it pop up on your, your just, oh, it's my man, Marlon Evans out of Stanford University. Uh, let's talk about his, he, He's a, he's a he's a CEO of NextCube, and they go out there and they fund tech and health oriented uh, platforms, and that's what Butterfly Health is is a is a health oriented platform. Talk about how that relationship came together, and exactly what is Butterfly Health. So you know, Rashawn, from knowing me, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So you know, I, I can't sit down without you know starting something new. Uh-huh. So people ask me, what did I do? You know, in the uh, the quarantine, I've written a new book. I started a, a digital talk show, and I started a new company <laughs> called Butterfly Health with mm-hmm. my brother. Mm-hmm. My brother uh, is a tech entrepreneur. He's mm-hmm. had two successful exits from tech companies, and I had this idea because you know the work I do around autism and special mm-hmm. needs. I come into contact with. So many caregivers mm-hmm. and the issue of mental health. I really started thinking about this uh, last year, the end of last year before COVID, uh, and just how impacted the families I dealt with were with mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I called my brother and I said, hey, look, I got this idea. Mm-hmm. I said, can I send you this non-disclosure agreement before I tell you about <laughs> no, the you idea? Didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't yes, send an NDA to your brother. And he said, I won't tell you what he said. <laughs> yes, I will tell you. <laughs> but after a few choice words, yes, yes, I yes. got him to agree that I could send him this contest <laughs> and, and he would advise me on it. I love and it. And we started talking about it and, and he gave me a, a sense about you know, why I needed someone like him, because yes. despite all of my he skills. He had to pitch himself to you, Miss NDA. <laughs> and so he uh, told me that, you know, for a, a percentage of my company, he would uh, come in as a co-founder and Love it. be the COO. So th- that's what brought the brother-sister team together. But, uh, you know, it's it's a digital therapeutic uh, application uh, available on iOS and mm-hmm. Android, and it's targeted to the Medicaid population. We grew up poor. You know my story, mm-hmm. North St. Louis, Louis. Mm-hmm. on surviving mm-hmm. on food stamps, mm-hmm. on Medicaid ourselves. So we wanted to deliver and develop a product targeted specifically for that marketplace. And that's what Butterfly does. And, and NextQ, uh, they invest in early startup healthcare mm-hmm. uh, companies. And uh, a f- one of our advisors, referred us to Marlin and NextCube and they, you know, we went through an application process and so they now have invested in the company. Uh, we went through an accelerated program with them. We've gotten investments from uh, Startup Health. We've gotten investments from congratulations uh, uh, investment fund in Tennessee called uh, Jumpstart Foundry. Mm-hmm. And so we are building the company. We're in conversations with major health plans. Uh, as well as health systems like Kaiser, about rolling the platform out at the beginning of next year. Uh, all of these companies are, are clamoring for a solution to address health equity issues, mm-hmm. to address you know underserved populations. So from a timing standpoint, you got a tsunami in mental health issues happening because of COVID and the social uh, unrest. Mm-hmm. And you have health companies who've said, we are committed to diversity and inclusion in ways you know, perhaps they hadn't been in the past. So you have those two things colliding, uh, creating some tremendous opportunities for us to, one, uh, raise a lot of capital for Butterfly mm-hmm. and then to roll it out and to have an impact on the lives of, of people who desperately need it. So super excited about that. 
Well, I tell you, it's been 30 minutes of a good conversation with a friend. Uh, Reva, uh, know this, I, I do a lot of uh, national shows. Black News Channel has me on like once a month talking about the COVID and the financial situation and how uh, Black America has to deal with the crisis that's not being funded properly by our Democrats or our Republicans. So if you ever want me on your show, I'd love to come on your show. I watched it. Uh, you're well, such a highly consider respected. Consider yourself individual. booked. Yeah. We do, we'll work out the details. Work out the details. I'll tell you, I, I will come on there strictly talking about the financial side and the, the budgets and what's not happening and why they won't pass this bill and they need to stop trying to, they're not going to get these folks $600 a week. I'm just going to tell you that right now. They're not going to happen. But they, they can't, they should be giving them something because there's some big tax bills that are going to be coming this way. 1231 month of January is going to really cripple not only America but especially the black community because we're always the hardest hit as we're being the hardest hit by COVID but I want to thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation you look fantastic thank, thank you. you and your conversation happy, was brilliant happy holidays to you and your family thank you if you want to hear more Money Making Conversation interviews please go to moneymakingconversation.com I'm Rashawn McDonald I'm your host 